so exciting. Well, this morning you're in for a special treat. In my last post of ministry before we launched All People's Church, I served as a college pastor at Antioch in Texas. And one of the joys was having numerous uh, brothers and sisters come through our church and getting to watch really godly families. And one of these families was the Turndrip family. They were passionate for God. They were very faithful. They loved our church. And then I found out that they were children of a pastor and I always take particular note when, when pastor's kids are just on fire for Jesus and, and, and serving wholeheartedly. I think, man, their parents must have done a great job raising them. Well, I learned about where their, their father was serving and it was Gateway Church in Texas. And we we were particularly fascinated with Gateway by how many people were coming to Christ and not just having people come to Christ, but being knit into the church and becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so we reached out to Craig Turndrup and began learning from Gateway, learning specifically from Craig, and even had Craig come out and be a consultant to us and all peoples. And he gave us such tremendous wisdom that then we asked him to be on our board of advisors. And Craig has been serving as an older brother to this church, giving us tremendous wisdom, praying for us, standing with us. And it's my honor to present him to you today as he brings a word from God. So Craig, why don't you come up? His wife, Linda, is on the front row. Why don't we give them a big hand as one of our overseers here seeing us and praying for us. Well, it's so good to see all of you. I saw the little promo about the meeting tonight, and I was up there without a beard. Any guys grow a beard in the last year? I think there's a few people who have. And uh, I was just in Peru, and uh, the Peruvians looked at me, and they go, they start laughing. They go, Chuck, Chuck, and they're laughing, talking in Spanish. They go, Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris. So, hey, you could have advertised that Chuck Norris was here today, but you got me. And uh, I thought, well, that's just the Peruvians. It's just this awesome church we were at in, there in Lima. And then I went to London. And I was with Indian pastors who were at this conference in London. They looked at me. They start laughing. And they go, Chuck, Chuck. They said the exact same thing. So I think it's just the Texas connection. You know, Texas, Chuck Norris. So here I am. You got Chuck Norris preaching today. I'm going to be talking about how to live the blessed life. How to live the blessed life. We're celebrating seven years here at All Peoples. Seven years. It's the number of completion. God's done so much in just seven years. Think about the changes in your life, the changes in the life of your family. In seven years, our church is 15 years old. God's done a tremendous amount in our church in 15 years. When we joined the church, like a lot of you, it was a church plant. There were about 300 of us meeting in a preschool sitting on little preschool chairs. And I've been on staff now for 12 years at Gateway. This weekend, we'll have just shy of 30,000 people on five campuses. But we're a junior church when you go internationally. When we were in Lima, I was at a church last Sunday that has 50,000 people. They don't know what to do with all the people. They have eight campuses. So they bought the, the bullfighting arena, and they turned that into their church. So they're meeting in a bullfighting arena right now in the middle of Lima, and it is just an awesome, awesome experience. 
In fact, I'm going to do a little uh, test here. This is, this is a praise test. Because, you know, we're one body. We're one body internationally. This is one thing that the pastor had them do in the bull ring last Sunday. He said, I want you to praise God with all your heart with one finger like this. So I want you to do it right now. This is an activation, so everyone contributing. Okay. Two fingers. He said, do you hear the rain of the Spirit as you praise Him? Three fingers. Four fingers. Now I want you to give God a praise offering. Praise went on and on and on. And I want to tell you something about all peoples. You are in a ten-finger move of God. You're in a time of outpouring. Tonight I'm going to tell my story at 6.30 about being a hippie at Berkeley during the Jesus movement. Me and Chuck Norris. You know, Chuck Norris has a a grizzly bear rug in his living room. He didn't kill it. He just commanded it not to move. It's just right there, right? And a lot of us have stories about the Jesus movement and the outpouring of God's spirit up and down the coast in California. But I want you to know there is an equally powerful Jesus movement right here in this room. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to hear stories of years gone by. God is pouring out his spirit in this place, and this city, this church, and this city is going to impact the whole world. But in order to do that, we all need to learn how to live the blessed life. Proverbs 10.22 says this, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. In the message, it says God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we do can improve on God. Nothing we do can improve on God. You know, sometimes it's intimidating. We see what other churches are doing and other ministries, and we think, oh, if I just did it the way they do it, I would get the results that they're getting. And we try to improve on God. Like, I could come back from Peru, and I could go, hey, I've got the secret to the outpouring of God's Spirit. Everyone do this. And we could start the church of the one-finger praise going to ten fingers. And then we could start a denomination of people that praise God that way every week. And we could turn it into a liturgy. We could say, we finally figured out how God moves. But you know, it's not people that make God's spirit move. It's God's spirit that makes people move. God is the prime mover. One day, a... A dad was walking through the woods with his son. It was a windy, blustery day. His son was five years old. He looked around at the wind and the leaves and the branches, and he goes, Daddy, 
what makes the wind blow? What makes the wind blow? And his dad was thinking, well, how can I explain what they tell me on the Weather Channel every week? What makes the wind blow? And then the little boy goes, oh, I, I figured it out. The trees, they're waving their branches. That's what makes the wind blow. And that's the way we are. We go, what makes God's spirit move? Oh, if we all do this. We can make God's spirit move if we all do this. Okay, let's all do it together. But we don't make God's spirit move. God moves through us by his spirit. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. He adds no sorrow with it. Nothing we can do can improve on God. Have you ever prayed a big prayer? I don't know if any of you have prayed, Lord, give us the nations, give us outpouring, change my life, let me be just like Jesus. Have you ever prayed big prayers like that? Let's see your hands. Okay, I've got some bad news for you. God has remembered every one of those prayers. And he's going to bring them to pass. It could be bad news or good news. Tom Landry said this. He was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He said, my job as a coach is to make men do what they say they want to do. To make men do what they say they want to do. To make men become what they say they want to become. And when we pray these big prayers, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, okay, Craig, I heard that prayer. I'm not going to ever forget it. And I'm going to mold you, and I'm going to fashion you, and I'm going to make you more like me so that I can fulfill those big prayers through your life. My wife and I have been church planners our whole life. We planted, uh, the day after our honeymoon, we planted a church in Boston, Massachusetts, reaching out to college kids at Harvard University. That was day one of our marriage. Had four kids in four years. We would sit on the beach looking across towards Europe, and we would pray, Lord, give us the nations. Give us the nations. And I didn't realize this then. I got a little frustrated because how many of you know when you're young, your time horizon isn't the same as when you get older? When you're young, you think everything has to happen now. My whole life's passing before my eyes. You get to be my age and you kind of go, life's pretty long. And there's whole seasons in front of me. So I didn't have much of a time horizon. So I didn't understand how God calculates things. And this is what God did. He took all of our big prayers, then he looked across Europe, and he found the five most vulnerable kids he could find. He found five little Russian orphans. And he laid it on our heart to adopt those five kids. And then he said to himself, if Craig and Linda are faithful with those little kids, I'll give them the nations. That was his calculation. That wasn't my calculation. So now, we've, we've raised the four children we had in Boston, affectionately called our first batch. <laughs> and now we've raised... Five more children who are all Russian children from two orphanages, family of two, family of three. We're down to the youngest Russian girl in our home. And just about a year ago, 
my church leadership tapped me on the shoulder, kind of like Mickey, and said, would you please change your focus from what you're doing here and kind of take over what we're doing in missions? And God, in one day, gave us the nations. What prayers have you been praying, and what is God going to work into your heart in order to fulfill the prayers of your heart? The blessed life is about giving your life away. Faithful in little thing, I'll make you ruler over much. It's not about protecting your personal peace and your affluence. It's not about lifestyles of the rich and famous. It's not about your bucket list. I've got to accomplish all of this before I die. It's not about any of those things. But Mark 8.35 says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and then loses his own soul? This is the blessed life in a Mother Teresa quote. One Mother Teresa quote. We've done so much for so long with so little. We're now qualified to do anything with nothing. That's the blessed life. That's the blessed life. Investing your life in the gospel of the kingdom by cultivating a spirit of generosity is the greatest life you can ever live. I'm so excited about Jonathan Lair and his family and the baptisms tonight because Jonathan's one of my heroes because he's laid it all down. And I won't say he's laid it all down for the nation of Mexico. He's laid it all down for his wife and his little children. And when you're a great husband and when you're a great father, God will give you the nations. It's his calculation. The blessed life is about laying it all down. It's not about fulfilling your own potential. Jesus said in John 12, 23, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. If you want to know the, the key to a successful marriage, right here. Drop into the ground of your marriage. Drop into the ground of your family and die. Die to what you want, what you think, and what you feel. And let God produce his resurrection life through you. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jim Elliott, the missionary, said this. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We have to lay down our life. We have to sow our life. Faithful in a little thing, God will make us, make us rulers over much. So here's my first point how to live the blessed life. Number one, to live the blessed life, you have to be anchored in the promises of God's word. You need an anchor. You can't just flow through life doing what feels good. You can't just make life decisions based on the moment or based on your life's plan. You have to make sure that God's promises are anchoring you, the promises in his word. And you have to beware of drifting without an anchor. Did any of you see the movie Unbroken? Yeah. Unbroken is about some airmen who get shot down over the Pacific. They're on two little life rafts, and they end up drifting 4,000 miles from where they were shot down. There's Christians who do that. Because of spiritual warfare, because of a crisis, they find themselves drifting instead of anchored by a promise of God. Sometimes they drift 4,000 miles outside of God's plan. 
Hebrews 2.1 says this, Therefore we must give the, the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. I don't know about California, but in Texas there's currents that carry you away from the purposes of God. There's currents in the popular culture, there's currents in entertainment and media, there's just currents that run through people's mind that just cause people to drift away from the purposes of God for their life. So here we're told, give the more earnest heed to the things you've heard, to the promises you've heard, lest you drift with that current. Jesus said, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But don't do anything. Don't try to accomplish anything in your life until you're endued with power from on high. He said, get anchored in my promises and then don't even try to do anything with your life until I fill you with the power of the promise of my Father. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands to bless them. This is after his resurrection. And now it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. But as he was going, I could hear him go, hey, don't drift. Lay hold of the promises of God and don't do anything until you receive the promise of my Father. It's the same for us today. I've got a little formula for you. Promises mixed with power equal blessing. You want to live a blessed life? Take the promises that are in your word, the promises in the Bible, mix them with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the result will be a living, powerful blessing in your life. And you will become a blessing to everyone around you. And when I came back from Peru last week, I tried to drive my little Pathfinder, and it was just seizing up. I'd try to stop at a, a stop sign, and like, <coughs> oh, no, something's wrong with my car. I just got a couple days, I'm flying out to San Diego. The last thing, I, then the light comes on, the service engine light. It's like, oh, no, not that. So I take it to um, our, our dealer there, and he goes, oh, no problem, the little gauge that determines how you mix the air with the fuel, it went out. So your engine can't figure out how much air to mix with how much fuel. That's why it keeps choking and stalling out. No problem, easy to fix. And I thought, how many Christians are like that? The gauge which determines how we mix the power of the Holy Spirit with the authority of God's Word is broken in our lives. And instead of us having that right mix, which carries us into the purposes of God, we're like a car that's just stalling out at every stoplight. We're like, <laughs> and we just kind of stumble into the Sunday service and we go, I hope they have a word for me. Well, I've got a word for you. Get that little thing fixed. <laughs> Get the right mix of gasoline and air. Get the right mix of the promises of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we fall on two camps. If I had time to sit down with you and I took my own survey, I found that I'd find out some of you come from a strong evangelical background where the emphasis was the word, the word, the word, laying hold of the promises of the word. You found out that these people believe in the Holy Spirit and you're kind of like, I'm going to sit on the back row and if anything weird happens, I'm out the back door. It's the word, Okay. We got another group of people, they're over here. It's the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. It's like if anyone does anything to cramp the move of the Holy Spirit here, I'm out the back door. <laughs> but what do we need? Do we need all spirit? 
Do we need all word without spirit? No, we need a blend. We need a, a spirit, word, fuel mix that will work in the engine that God gives us so that we can move forward in the purposes of God. Some of us are river people. You know the New Jerusalem? The New Jerusalem is a city coming down out of heaven with a river running through it. So some of us, everything's the river. I'm going to jump in the river, swim in the river, splash in the river. Everything's the Holy Spirit. Then we have another group of people who are the city people. They go, well, I don't care about the river. We're building the city of God. What we want here is we want a city with a river running through it. We want the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the river, flowing through the city of God, which is the people of God. And when you build the city and you have the river, you've got the right mix. Don't fall off this way or fall off that way. But let God blend these two things together. Hold on to the promises of God's word, and he's going to mix them with the power of his spirit. And then you're going to accelerate right into the middle of God's promises. So my second point is this. To live the blessed life, you have to be empowered by God's spirit. You have to be empowered. Don't hold on to powerless promises. Now, I hear this all the time. There's a difference between a promise that's mixed with faith and just someone going, quoting the word without any faith and without the spirit of God just making that thing come alive. Brother, are you believing for God to do this? Well, I'm standing on the promise, but nothing's ever happening. Here, here's the promise. I, I wrote it here on this 3 by 5 card. The partying God. That's my promise right there. Um, well, you need to take that promise and you need to mix it with faith. And you need to get the right mix of the spirit and the word, and then it's going to happen. Oh. But we tend to either hold on to the word without the spirit, or it's all spirit without a promise that we're standing on. So it's important to be powered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, verse 1. And being assembled together, he commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, just wait. And I love this. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. So look at how closely the heroes of the faith held on to the promises of God in the Old Testament. Here's Solomon in 1 Kings 8, 5. And so it was. So this is Solomon's big day. They're dedicating the temple. They sacrificed the bulls. So it was that Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord that he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands hand spread out to heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly and he said, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. So he was standing on the promises of God. Now what were the promises of God that Solomon would have been standing on? The first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Who wrote the Torah? Moses did. Moses wrote Genesis. He wrote about Abraham. He wrote about Jonah. He wrote all the way through to Deuteronomy, the first five books. All the promises just in those five books will carry you all the way through your life. And Solomon knew this, and he was standing on those promises. He said, according to all that God promised, according to all that God promised, Faith comes from embracing all of God's promises. So what did God promise in those first five books of the Bible? 
in Genesis, Genesis 1:28, he promises to Adam and Eve. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. There's a promise of multiplied dominion that he gave the first couple. And that promise of multiplied dominion is for all of his people. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's the Old Testament version. What's the New Testament version of that same promise? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, there's a second Adam and his beautiful bride, the church, who's been commissioned by God with the same promise brought into the new covenant, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's the same promise. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So as you multiply into Tijuana, as you multiply into Moldavia, wherever you plant a church, into Thailand, you can hold on to these promises because these promises are written in the book as an anchor for your soul. It's the anchor that will keep you from drifting. God blessed Abraham with promises. As you read these promises, it's repeated over and over again. It's almost redundant. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God blessed Abraham through Melchizedek. Melchizedek said, Blessed be God most high, who's delivered your enemies into your hand. And blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Over and over again, everyone that Abraham met blessed him and revealed God's promises for his life. And Abraham had held on to those promises as an anchor for his soul to keep him from drifting in life. And that's what we have to do too. We hold on to these promises. And then at the moment where Abraham needed the greatest promise... On Mount Moriah, God blessed Abraham with huge promises. Abraham took Isaac up to the top of this hill to sacrifice Isaac. Now, do you know the significance of that hill? Mount Moriah in the Old Testament was the hill where Jesus died at Calvary. Same hill. So God led Abraham up a hill with his only son to die a sacrificial death. But at the last moment, God said, no, Abraham, you don't have to sacrifice your son. I'm going to sacrifice my son on this very same hill. It's Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. In fact, rabbis say this about that mount. They believe that's where the Garden of Eden was. That's where God, like Aslan in Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, standing before creation, Aslan the Lion roars and creation comes out and the mudflats turn into this whole world of Narnia, the rabbis believe that God created everything from that point. And God brought Abraham to that very point, and then God brought Jesus, his son, to that very point to die on the cross. And guess what? Jesus is returning to the earth to that very same point. And at that point, Jesus will fulfill every promise that God ever promised to Abraham and that God ever promised to you. God's promise is sure. It's an anchor for your soul. As surely as God knew he could bring Abraham to the point of sacrifice, as surely as he knew that Jesus' death would be enough, he knows how to bring you into your promised land, into your purpose. He knows how to anchor your soul. He's really good at it. Trust him. Just stand on God's word, and he will carry you right into his purposes. So Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and there was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went, and he took the ram, and he offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son, And you could hear Abraham going, 
What a relief. And I can hear Isaac. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Because Isaac at this point was a grown young man. He wasn't just a little kid. And uh, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it's said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it will be provided. And then look at the blessing that comes out of being faithful in obedience. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time and said, By myself I've sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've learned to obey my voice. Faithful in a little thing, Abraham. Faithful to believe my promise. You anchored your soul. You didn't move because you believed me. You trusted me. Now lift up your eyes, Abraham. You, can you count those stars? That's how many spiritual sons and daughters you're going to have. Hundreds of millions and billions of spiritual sons and daughters will be yours. And can you count all the grains of sand that's on the seashore? That's how many natural descendants you're going to have. Multiply millions, hundreds of millions, all because you were faithful to believe me and trust my promises. If Abraham could believe him, how much more can we believe him? Because now we are sons and daughters of the new covenant. Now we don't walk this thing out alone with our son walking up a hill. The sacrifice has already been slain. We look back to the sacrifice now, and here we are surrounded by hundreds of people who love Jesus with all their heart, encouraging us on, saying, this is your leg of the race. Take the baton. Run to the finish line. Our job is to finish what God started through Abraham and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our job is actually much easier than his was. But it takes the same anchoring of our soul, and it takes that same spirit of faith. Amen? So God appeared to Jacob, Abraham's grandson, in a dream. And Jacob dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up in the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. So that was the Old Testament promise. Jacob wakes up and he goes, oh, this place is awesome. I'm going to name this Bethel, the house of God. Because look, there's the angels of God. It's like a holy escalator going up, coming down. God's provision from heaven coming down to the earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Flowing right through my heart, right through my imagination, right through my dream. This is Bethel. This is the very house of God. Then Jesus, speaking to Nathaniel in the New Testament, said this. Nathaniel, you're a man without guile. From now on, you're going to see the Son of Man like that ladder to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on my life. Because what Jacob saw in the Old Testament, that promise of blessing was simply a type and a shadow, a picture of what God would do through the Messiah. The Messiah Jesus has opened up the logistics for heaven to pour out everything that's in heaven, all the resource, all the power, all the anointing, all the provision, all the blessing, to pour out everything in heaven and pour out through the life of Jesus onto the earth. There is an open heavens over, over Jesus' life. And now, because you are part of the body of Christ, that open heaven is over you. The angels of God are ascending and descending in your life, and God wants us to all to pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
All we need to do is anchor ourselves in the promises of God, open up our heart to God, and let him pour out all the blessings of heaven until there is no more need. First of all, in our lives, the lives of our friends and neighbors, the lives of San Diego, and then the ends of the earth, like a river of provision flowing through your life and flowing through mine. Is it based on my performance? No. It's based on the promise of God. It's based on his covenant. It's based on something he set in motion with Abraham years ago. And we are the recipients of that blessing. Paul put it this way. In all these things, beloved, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You know why we're more than conquerors? It's like the heavyweight fighter. He knocks out his opponent. He gets the check. He takes it home to his wife. He gives it to the wife. She's more than a conqueror because he had to fight the fight. She got to receive the reward. And we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us because he fought the battle. We get the check. We get the reward. God wants to flow through us with blessing. That's the blessed life. So promises and blessing just flow all through the Old Testament. I'm going to close this service with, with Aaron's blessing that he, blessed, that he would uh, speak over the children of Israel. But before I do, I just wanted to draw a parallel between the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost and the first Pentecost. Now, you all know about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Last week was Pentecost Sunday. Christians all over the world celebrated the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But there was a first Pentecost. What was the first Pentecost? What does penta mean? It means 50. Okay? So if you go back again to Exodus, the children of Israel put the blood on the altars of, of their doors. They sacrificed the Passover lamb. And then the angel of death passed over their home. That was Passover. Fifty days later, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. And that was the first Pentecost. The reason why all the Jews were gathered there from every nation under heaven was because they were celebrating what God did with Moses. They were celebrating the fact that God delivered them, that they had been slaves. God delivered them from Egypt, and he brought them into their promised land. It was a celebration of something that happened centuries early, earlier. But God was not through. He said, the first Pentecost was good. Now look what I'm going to do now. I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. This is the fulfillment of Pentecost. Because in the first Pentecost, what did they hold on to? They held on to the law and the promises that were chiseled in stone. They held on to God's covenant, but they were not empowered with the strength to fulfill the covenant. So Moses came down off of Sinai. He looked at the children of Israel. They were having this huge party, and all of a sudden, 3,000 people, because of their sin, died right there. That was the first Sinai. There was the law, but no power to fulfill the law. The, the second Pentecost, God pours out his spirit on all of his people. And instead of 3,000 people dying, 3,000 people are saved. And now, instead of receiving a law written on stone, we receive the law written on human hearts, on tablets of the human heart. 
Now we are empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill every promise of God's word. So when I say be anchored in a promise of God's word, I'm not leaving you there. I'm saying that's good, that's the gasoline, but let's add the the oxygen. Let's blend the power of the Holy Spirit with the power of that promise, and let's get the right combustion happening in that engine, and let's bring you forth into everything that God's got for you. And that power of Pentecost can flood your heart, can flood the engine of your spirit right now. We've been equipped, beloved. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. I'm going to bless you right now. I'm going to bless you with the blessing of of, uh, Aaron. Recently, archaeologists found a fragment of an ancient Hebrew Bible thousands of years old, and this blessing was on it, the exact same blessing I'm going to bless you with right now. All the blessings of God are yes and amen. They're an anchor for your soul. They're an open window for heaven to pour through. So as I pray for you, I want you to receive this blessing from heaven right now. Are you ready? And the Lord spoke to Moses, number 622 saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you will bless the children of Israel. Say, say this, I want you just to open your hands like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Father, I pray for everyone that's here today. I ask you to bless them. I thank you for anchoring their souls in the promises of your word. I thank you for pouring out a personal Pentecost in each heart. Lord, that you would mix the promises that they planted in their heart, the promises of your word, the anchor of their soul, with a fresh outpouring of your spirit. And that there would be a combustion here. There would be an explosion here. There would be a heavenly nuclear fission here that would just create an explosion, a mushroom cloud of blessing that would cover the whole earth. Father, I pray for everyone here that's struggled, like my car with the engine not working right, struggled to get this right. Lord, I just pray a blessing that that your yoke would be easy, your burden would be light, and that this simple tweak would bring everything into focus. Would you all stand up with me, please? I'd like you just to lift your hands up to heaven, and I want you to confess to the Lord a promise that you've been holding on to with your lips, a a promise out of God's word that has anchored your soul. I want you to confess that to him. And then I want you to ask him to empower you with his spirit, with a gift of faith to fulfill that promise in your life. You know which promise I'm talking about. Sometimes it's the greatest need your family has, the greatest desire of your heart. There's a promise there. Attach it with 
the promise of God's word, and let's ask God for a fresh infilling of his faith and his spirit. Bob, as you see every heart, you see the potential of every life. That every one of us is like Mickey. It's like Stephanie. Giving it all at the altar of our life. Lord, this is the blessed life. And Father, you see every promise that they're whispering to you right now. Just like the big promises, the big prayers that my wife and I would pray in Boston. And Lord, I ask you, as a good father, to give them the empowerment, to clothe them with power from on high, to equip them by the power of your spirit, to fulfill every dream that you've dropped in their heart. And Lord, I bless this church right now. I bless all people's church. I bless the new campus in Tijuana. I bless the future campuses that will be birthed out of this central place. And I thank you, Lord, just for a magnitude of blessing until all peoples are blessed and all peoples are anchored and all peoples are going forth in the image of your Son. And Father, I pray for anyone that's here that that needs to receive Jesus for the first time. Lord, as they're opening their heart to you, Lord, I pray that this would be the moment of a new birth, that Jesus would come rushing into their heart at this, at this moment. Father, we just surrender everything to you, and we just trust you for the work of your Holy Spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.